Botanista podcast to no, God no, we are out of the twos and we are in the threes, baby. And for me, three is number one. I don't know what that means. I've never had a threesome. It just felt right. I was thinking maybe number one came after number two, but that's not true. All you got to do is worry about the newest, the latest, maybe not the greatest episode of the Botanista podcast because that's why you're here. That's why my sweet, soothing, mature adult voice is streaming through your headphones, your Google Home, your life, your soul, your body, your mind. Get invested, ladies, gentlemen. Get invested in the Botanista because the truth of the goddamn matter is, I'm not going anywhere. Welcome back to another episode of the show. I know nobody asked me, and I tend to say welcome back a few different times because I'm so freaking welcoming and accommodating here. But all shopping carts need to have a drink holder in them. It's 2022. We're in the third month of the year. And if you expect there to be some sort of coffee opportunity in the front of every single store you walk in, your favorite uh, retailer that we talk about a lot, your local grocery store, let the people drink their drinks, let the people hydrate while they're shopping. There's no better combo. There's no better place to put a drink when you're shopping than in the shopping cart safely because we've all done the set it and forget it. You put it down, you walk around, you can't find it, you're chasing your steward's cup throughout the store. And if it was socially acceptable, if it was appropriate in the modern challenging, challenging times that we are living in, I would maybe take a Miller Lite and bring it to the grocery store with me, do a little sipping and shopping. I'm no stranger to a road soda and an ice cold Yeti and Miller Lite is the exact drink that you want to keep ice cold, whether you're storing it in your garage or out on a snowbank somewhere. Love an outside temperature beer in cold, frigid outside temperatures. Or if you're just stocking up your fridge, you're lining it all up so you can see this beautiful, sexy logo when you take your first sip, which I'm going to do on camera today with this 96-calorie, borderline healthy, at least healthy for your well-being when you're drinking a Miller Lite. All right. It tastes fine. I was a little worried because it has been in my garage for a while. We did warm up to the 40s and 50s. We've discussed at length the 50-degree day in February phenomenon. But we're moving on because it's March. Welcome to March 1st, 2022. Stop saying welcome or I will cancel myself. That's all I had to say. Uh, that the whole thing that's literally the show that's it today felt very passionate about shopping carts because I'm sure I've said this at a previous point but we'll get to it later we've got a lot of new people here that have never listened before people that are catching up from the beginning streaming a few episodes ago I hate grocery shopping everybody knows that but I am devastated when I do not get the double decker cart the double decker cart is so important for grocery shopping. It's so important for home goods shopping. 
a little up there, a little down below, a little personal bin in the front. They have the phone holder. Now we got to upgrade to the cup holder, but there's a great cart shortage happening out there. If you've been to Walmart, if you've been to several stores, sometimes it's hard to get a cart. So don't be picky like me. Get your hands on one when you can. Today's segment on shopping carts is brought to you by the Shopping Cart Company of America, keeping the wheels on the ground and that's it. I didn't have time to memorize the rest of their slogan, but I will continue with future promotion for the Shopping Cart Company of America because it doesn't exist and I think they would be a great fit for this show. Maybe they should start like branding shopping carts. Like that would be a great place for a Buttonista sponsorship is that you're pushing your little cart around at one of my favorite stores, be it a local shop or a big name real deal. You could think of the Buttonista every single time that you stroll on by an aisle and I really do like that been thinking a lot about the buttonista lately people call me the buttonista they say hey buttonista we love you hey buttonista go fuck yourself some of them don't even know that my name is taylor miriam rayo your buttonista and i'm like if i ever make it big like does anybody get it obviously it derives from my other company two buttons deep which i co-founded with my business partner no longer my best friend jack carpenter um but other than him other than the people that are in the inside scoop botanista is so abstract maybe i'm as profound as the apples and the googles in the world probably not maybe someday would there ever be a transition i don't know i haven't thought that far ahead bear with me but it did make me think of it because I'm wearing my Buttonista sweatshirt. Shout out to Screen Designs based in Schenectady. They did a small run of champion crop top hooded sweatshirts for me and my family for Christmas. And just maybe if you catch a glimpse of me wearing one of these and you ask me, where did you get that? Buttonista. I want to rep Buttonista. Besides the beanies, we're moving on to spring, warmer times and chiller vibes. Maybe, just maybe, you will be able to get a champion crop hoodie yourself. Let's get into the show today. I am on a completely different page in my notes back from when I was sober on January 11th. Now I'm at January 25th. Now I am back at March 1st. It was a big week in Botanista land. That's why I am repeating it. That's why I'm saying it. Because I want all of you not only to know the Botanista, but to know how much I appreciate your support, your listening, your following, everything that you do to show this page, this podcast, some love. It's really finally starting to pay off. It is obviously not always easy to do this, to get it out there, And to be patient, I've given a lot of unsolicited advice lately, I feel like. And one of the main things I talk about a lot in this unsolicited advice that obviously nobody asked for is that just like anything in life, you must be patient. I remember my nanny used to say, patience is a virtue. And then she said other stuff, but I wasn't patient enough to hear it. It was like possess it if you may, but like something if you don't, obviously. So now I need to look that up because I'm she's rolling somewhere, probably laughing, but not disappointed in me. But being patient 
with any passion project, side hustle, maybe not a relationship because we don't want things to drag on forever if you're waiting for a big moment or something to dramatically change. But if you bet on yourself and if you believe in yourself or your concept or your idea or whatever it is, Patience is the biggest thing. We live in this world of immediate satisfaction and gratification and people are not patient enough to let it play out and to see if you really have something here. That's one of my biggest things that we talk about with Two Buttons Deep was that we waited five years to go full time. We knew when in the moment was right. We seized the opportunity when we had it and we felt like we had done our due diligence and our, you know, really careful, steady work over the years to not just jump ship and go with a concept that we weren't sold on, but rather one that turned it into an actual business that people liked and followed, etc. And that's where I feel like I'm at with this podcast. We did crazy numbers last week. Um, quick side note, in the content industry, I think, hopefully it's just in this industry, I've heard a lot of people abbreviating the word numbers and calling them numbies. That is the first and last time I will ever say the word numbies, but I've heard it on a couple other shows that I aspire to and that I like. I've seen it in a couple of group texts. I'm not going to point fingers and name names, but I've seen it and I hate it. I have an entire list of words that I will not say, refuse to say, don't like, don't sound great, and no, I'm an adult. It's not moist. It's not shit like that. It's not that immature bullshit. I don't say gyro. I'm just not ordering a gyro. I just don't like it. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I don't want to be disrespectful to the great community. There's just certain words I'm not going to say, and numbies is one of them. So content people, let's get that out of your minds. Let's just say numbers. We don't need to abbreviate. We can all type super fast with our arthritis-ridden thumbs and fingers. Keep that a full word. But regardless, Botanista did some major numbers last week, especially on the podcast. It seems as though... The second episode of the week, the Chasing Friday into the weekend thing was something that you enjoyed. I was a little off the cuff. I was literally laying upside down and backwards in a family friend slash stranger's bed in Connecticut. And if I could pull off these numbies in the altered state that I was in, I was not safe at any speed, then I have a pretty good feeling if I'm on my A game on a Thursday evening recording or a Friday morning or Friday afternoon episode that you guys are really going to like it. So um, I'm just basically saying how thankful I am, how grateful I feel like we can take this thing to the top. I, besides like stunning good looks and, um, you know, wealth, fame, long hair, tan skin, you know, overall cool factor that comes with some of the greatest podcasts out in the mainstream media right now, I don't know what's separating the botanista from them. I have a great attitude. You guys are all great. And I think I'm feeling positive after I overthink and hate the way that I look on camera and all the things that I dislike right now. I was propelled forward to see a great number on a morning, on a Monday morning, which we know can be the start to Chasing Friday and just a little bit of a difficult time to get yourself going. So thank you to everybody who listened. Obviously, I'm always open to feedback. Please send me messages, um, rate, review, subscribe. That's another thing. You got to be your biggest self-promoter. No one's going to do it for you unless you ask. I asked and I saw 
some Spotify ratings go up. So it's the least you can do for all the goddamn work I put in to be the person that I am and to try to entertain you while you're in the car, walking the dog, at the gym, wherever it is that you tune in. I appreciate it and I am here to formally, verbally, half-assedly commit to another episode a week, especially now that some of my new equipment is coming in and I'll have the technical skills to bring the guests back as I've been teasing and truly take the show to a new level to something that you continue to enjoy listening to and watching and pardoning my appearance for when I'm in my element, a couple buttons deep on Miller Lite, doing my own ASMR from my guest bedroom. So that's all I got on a little podcast update. Next up, a few things that happened to me recently this weekend. Um, as you know, if you did listen to the Friday episode or if you just follow me on Instagram, I had a little weekend away in the great state of Connecticut. Some people say it's the worst. Some people say it's the best. Uh, my quick recap that I mentioned was the houses are great. I felt like there were a lot of really cool local restaurants You know, not unlike what we have here in the Capital Region, but I just liked the spread. I liked what I was seeing. You do have a beach in Connecticut, and I get it. It's not the Jersey Shore. It's not um, Ocean City, Maryland. It's not Outer Banks. But I do, like for living in the Northeast, it really does suck that we are not in a beach state. You know, a beach is something I feel like You don't have to have a beach house. You can drive to the beach for the day. You can set up. You can put your chairs out. Lake George, to me, while beautiful, has always been kind of intimidating. It's not as in and out user-friendly. You got to know somebody. You got to have the house. You got to have, you know, the reservation at the Algonquin or whatever restaurant you like to go to when you're there. And there's just nothing like the smell of the ocean, the waves, even in the winter. I remember my parents used to live in Revere in Mass right off the... um, right outside of Boston. And they just always said they always wanted to live on the beach. I don't think they had a ton of money. They were just starting out, but they had like a high rise apartment. They could walk the dog on the beach. They could enjoy it year round, the crash of the waves. That does sound really peaceful. Toes in the sand. That's actually my least favorite part of the beach. And I don't really like salt water. Um, But despite all that, I love laying out like a pancake, um, a very large oversized pancake in the sand, just getting tan, loving the entire beach vibe, salty beach waves, all of that fun stuff. Wow, can you hear the sound of the ocean as I sip my water? That's that's the waves crashing. That's the waves crashing and the ice spilling over. Oh, if I close my eyes, are you are you closing your eyes? Okay, don't. You're driving probably. If you close your eyes, even you just shake your water, I guess, you can be at the beach immediately. Oh, oh, yeah, wow. Whoa, I just got super relaxed for a second. That was a wonderful exercise. Thank you. So for what it's worth, I appreciate that the state of Connecticut has beaches, has your bad and bougie, and it is my tried and true Just got to get away. Doesn't matter where. Doesn't look like I'll be making it to Florida or a warmer climate until I roll into like bachelorette party season. So I took Connecticut with that big giant grain of cold weather salt and made the most of it. Stayed in a little beach B&B and 
before I get to a couple thoughts about the wedding, which if I ever launch another podcast or another subset, I feel like I need to lean into like this wedding expert thing. And I don't mean like wedding planning, just like someone that has like very hard opinions on weddings. I released that just a minute clip about the wedding photography. A lot of people were like, preach. And I'm like, yeah, I'm preaching over here. Maybe I should be like the the preaching pastor of weddings, the to-dos and the to-don'ts. To-don'ts? Who the fuck? What, what is that? Um, it's because I haven't really sipped that many Millers. But obviously very passionate about wedding season. It comes up a lot in casual conversation. And I have a couple thoughts based on the wedding that I went to. But before that, I'm going to just go ahead and skip right to the after party because I had a very humbling experience attending my first college bar not being anywhere close to a college student anymore. And I think this is something that everybody goes through in their life. I hate the stereotypes and the cliches where we get down on ourselves for being washed up and, you know, the kind of the whole those were the days mentality. I wasn't a major like bar hopper in college. I never had a fake ID that worked. I was younger than everybody, so I wasn't really 21 until, like, right before I graduated. And I never had, like, true college party glory days that some people really um, affectionately refer to from back in the day. So maybe that's my take that makes me less of the washed-up percentage. I think, you know, I probably have a better bar hopping, outing, social life now with everything that I do and living in Saratoga than I did in college. But there's just something so specific about a college bar that even if you went to one, one time at your school, will be ingrained and embedded in your skin forever from the beer spilling on you to the gum on the floor to, you know, the sweat and all of that. And I didn't see this one coming, which was the craziest part. We stayed at this little, like, beach, like I said, like a beach, like, bed and breakfast type of thing. And there was a restaurant slash bar attached. Nothing to shake a stick at on the outside. Nothing fancy. It was called Sea Grape in Fairfield, Connecticut. And a couple hours before the wedding, we went to just grab a quick something to eat. And it was just like a dive bar to me. I love dives. So, you know, it was absolutely empty. They just opened. You could still kind of smell, like, the cleaning supplies. You know, pool table, bar decor, shitty food. And that was really it. Like I didn't overthink it. I was just like, oh, it's just like a little bar and everything looks awful in the winter. You know, you couldn't tell this beach B&B had any like cute factor to it when it's, you know, snowing and just disgusting out and neither did the bar. But on the way back from the wedding, because it was a little weird, which like I said, I'll get to, we decided to skip the after party, skip the Uber ride to whatever like classy bar and just go back to the place right next to the hotel. Be easier, more convenient. We could get changed and then just, you know, have a couple of drinks to end the night. So we immediately walk out of the wedding. It's only like a five minute walk. And there's like four or five cop cars in front of the hotel. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I'm assuming like accident or something. No, there are kids like, you know, just getting into like little tussles, little fights. There was a girl that was trying to hop the fence to get into the bar. Um, The cops are just kind of scoping out the scene. I wasn't like super nosy. I didn't get in on the specifics of the drama. But I'm like, oh, shit, this is a crowded place. Then I see the line out the door. I see everybody waiting outside. And the first 
washed up thing that I did. And obviously this, this is a stereotype. This is a thing people say because it's freaking true is I go inside and I take off that velvet navy blue slash black turtleneck dress that I wore to the wedding. I rip my pumps off and I put on, yes, another matching set. One of hopefully the last that I will buy. The matching set will also be referred to later if you can hang with me till the end of the show. So I immediately get changed and look terrible. I just put on my matching set, a jacket over the top, and my snow boots. And I'm like, who cares? I don't know a single person in this city. It's me and my boyfriend, a friend that tagged along from the wedding. And we go to get in line. And first of all, I tried to be cool. I actually tried to help the girl that was trying to get over the um, fence. I just gave her bum like a little push. She needed help. And it, I think she would have gotten hurt if I didn't assist her. So she wasn't thankful or anything. But I did help her. Um and then we wait in line, you know, pay the cover or whatever. The bouncer's all tough, like, you know, looking at me for my money. I'm like, duh, I got a sugar daddy behind me. And uh, so we get into the bar, and I'm like immediately just like overwhelmed. There's a stage. There's people dancing, DJ. I'm observing the outfits, the boys and girls. I'm like still in euphoria, like high school crazy party mode in terms of like, you know, how great that soundtrack is and the way that they set it up entering into what is the closest reality to that setup that I can find. And the next thing that happened, of course, that is the biggest slap in the face of all time and has nothing to do with you but definitely does, is not being able to get a bartender's attention at the bar. I'm obviously the shortest. I've always been good at this. I could slither my way in. I somehow grabbed a seat at the bar which is the other thing that happened, which is that I loved having a seat at the bar and just observing all the action while not standing on my own two feet. Probably took 20 minutes to get a drink. I was just attentively watching the girl bartender, this little petite girl in a little ironic, uh, like ribbed wife beater, um, like uh, Savorsi Crystal, like Hilton Head, like South Carolina type of shirt. And you could just tell this girl was in her prime. She was going to rake in, hopefully, a great load of big tip energy from all the people at the bar. Everybody wanted her attention. Everybody wanted to talk to her. She had some nice cans, you know, the beer and her own cans behind this or voicey crystal Hill and Ed South Carolina shirt. And I'm like, wow, to be her right now, she is the envy of the entire room. She holds the keys to a good night, a bad night, a crying night, a sexy night. She has all the power in this entire bar. And that's only something that probably an old washed up person would think because most people would just be worried about getting their drink and having a good time where I'm like psychoanalyzing everything going on thinking about her life, trying to see if there's a guy that's into her. A couple of people, you know, she smiled a little extra more for her. She gave a lot of attention. And this is going to be a weird thing to say, but I don't know how to say it without sounding weird. I've, oh, I'm, oh, mm, I'm interested in people doing stuff with their hands. I know I had to, I have to pause for a second and just let that sink in. What I mean by that, and this is a very specific memory, like, I like watching people, like, do things fast and, like, that they're good at. 
I remember in like seventh or eighth grade, there was a girl that I used to hang out with and her mom was like the working mom. Her dad was kind of like a stay at home dad. And I always felt bad for her because she had a brother and sister and she had to do like basically all of the household chores. Her parents really, really relied on her to like cook, clean, do the laundry, like handle the little kids. And I was always like so impressed by the way that she did it. She didn't complain, but she was like the woman of the house because her mom was traveling for work or out working. The dad had like a side hustle and she loved to cook. And I remember watching her cook and she was making like complicated things, like things with like butternut squash and like elaborate desserts. And I just, I feel like when people do things with their hands and they're good at it, it's like very fluent. It's like poetry in motion. Like, I just remember watching her, like, pour the flour, like, stir things up. And I'm like, this is fascinating. And now now I'm like a fetish, creepy, like, girl-on-girl, like, weird intro to something way. Like, I just thought it was very cool watching her do that. Same thing could go for, like, anybody in a craft. Like, people cutting hair, watching someone, like, do a blowout or, like, style hair the way they hold the scissors. Like, I'm always very fascinated by that. And I feel like it does, it definitely correlates with, like, how good someone is at what what they're doing. It's their passion, it's their craft, and their their fingers and their hand movements are just very fluid. I'm probably a psychopath for saying this. All the support that I talked about that I've had on this freaking show is about to go away. But that was the feeling I got when I watched this girl, you know, pour the shots, grab the draft, shake the cocktail. Just kidding. There's no way they're shaking cocktails at an overcrowded underage college bar. But I definitely had the throwbacks, the memories of like, what would you do if you were there again? You know, nobody cares about you. So don't ever make a moment like that about you where you're like embarrassed. Like I know I mentioned my outfit, obviously, but like, I don't think any of those college kids give a fuck about you unless you're in their way or giving them shit. But they're not looking over in the room and seeing if you're the old one or you're the weird one. They're trying to find their, you know hookup of the night or help their friend from crying so it's not about like feeling out of place in the way that like I think a lot of people feel out of places like oh my god I bet everybody's looking at me right now but just a total overflow of like memories I'm so glad that they have a normal you know hopefully college experience things are looking up in that realm we've got the kids taking their masks off at school this week in the middle of the week which is random but very happy about that so I officially survived my first college bar post-college and I'm grateful that I don't think Saratoga actually has a strong association with like college bars unless you went to Skidmore which I don't know anybody that went to Skidmore but um for me I think the closest thing would be like running into people from high school at Gaffney's and we know Gaffney's has had their ups and downs and I don't think they need any buttonista business right now um just because they're weird I guess um the second thing is the wedding so the wedding I mentioned it was a second wedding, which doesn't matter, obviously. A wedding is something that some people get to do only once. Some people get to do it twice. And some people, if you're really lucky, third time is a charm. Three is the month of March. Three is for you, and it's not going to be for me, hopefully. So I didn't think that part was weird. But I did not know anybody at this wedding, which, again, is something very classic. Everybody's going to be in this situation at some point. And there's a couple different ways, obviously, to make the most of it. A couple things that make being the person that doesn't know anybody a better experience, like the contextual things. Um, But one of the things that I didn't realize 
until this wedding that makes it better is having an actual wedding ceremony. We've all gotten like choked up watching a ceremony for people that we don't know, whether it's on TV, whether it's the exact same situation that I'm describing. But for me, even though I've never been one to enjoy like the full-blown sit-down mass, I do like tradition and I think that a wedding ceremony is, it's the hook. It's the... It's the thing that you have to sit through to enjoy the open bar and get the payoff of the reception. I think a little suffering in a wedding in a, in a wedding ceremony is a good thing. And this couple, because it's a little more non-traditional, because it's a COVID thing, they sent out a message to their uh, guests a few weeks ago and said, you know, we're saving you the trouble of coming to the ceremony. We're going to skip right to the reception. And I felt a little cheated by that. Because what happens when you get emotional and you watch a couple say their vows and walk down the aisle and look at the reactions of their family and friends is that you become part of the story for a minute. You can sympathize or empathize or put yourself in the position of, oh my God, look how much they love each other. Look how beautiful she looks. Look how happy they are to be together. Or, you know, the words that the priest or the um, officiant said really rung true. That's a great quote. That's a great Bible verse. And you can find some way to connect and insert yourself into the situation, especially when you don't know anybody. You end up getting to know the couple a little bit, getting to know the context around everything, and then make that transition into the reception. Showing up at a cocktail hour with no context, no one you know, no idea what's going on is a little bit more awkward, I think. You don't really know where to go. You don't know any familiar faces. Like you could have had a little back and forth, you know, holding the door open for somebody or sitting next to somebody in the church pew waiting for it all to go down. So that was the first part that was just a little weird, but you get through it and, you know, get a couple of drinks in you. Their drink of choice was a, a spicy jalapeno margarita. So that definitely helped. And you wing it. The second thing that can make a wedding where you don't know anybody better is the music. Obviously, the music is the most important thing really in life. Music is a game changer in any situation, a car ride, at a store, at a wedding, you know, on your favorite commercial or your least favorite commercial. Music is a memory. Music can get you up out of your seat in dancing. And if you don't dance at a wedding, you know, I have my thought. Like, no, just unsubscribe, unfollow. We're, we don't need to be connected. You got to get up. You got to get your dancing shoes on. Again, part of the payoff. And I have voiced my opinions on uh, band versus DJ before. I understand bands are more expensive. It doesn't always fit the vibe. It doesn't always fit the budget. But I am solidified forever team band after the lackluster would be a, uh, a kind way to describe the DJ's performance at this last wedding. The worst part was that he touted that he was from Boston. And I'm not saying, you know, there's a bunch of Sammy Adams out in Boston that are like slinging beats and chicka, 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 just like that, like literally just like that. But you would think a big city DJ coming into Fairfield, Connecticut, mm, now that I'm saying it, it's not adding up. And that's exactly what happened. Um, first things first, he couldn't get the technology down. 
He was doing it on the fly during the cocktail hour. Should have been doing it during the ceremony that we didn't go to. But he is sweating balls trying to get the GoPro going. There was a GoPro that reflected back on the dance floor. So if you were dancing, you could watch yourself dancing. Felt like a little Kim K and Ray J to me, but I just didn't love that. And he couldn't figure it out. Technology gets the best of us sometimes. It's one of my greatest fears in life and every Monday night when I record this podcast that technology is going to fail you. And a wise person that is my business partner once told me technology will always fail you. And that's exactly what happened to this guy. Not a great way to kick things off. Second thing that was a little bit of a red flag was that he was heavily, heavily promoting requests. Now, I'm pretty sure I know a couple of good DJs in the area in the 518. Shout out, by the way, DJ Truemaster, DJ Tony Platinum, who is now uh, not bi-coastal, but he's in Florida and in New York. Intel Hayesfield, Jamel Mosley, DJ Hollywood. There are some phenomenal DJs here in the Capital Region that would never do this to you. And I believe in the back of my head... I can hear them. I can visualize some of them saying that they really don't take requests. Why, you ask, after a few spicy jalapeno margaritas? Because they are a man with a plan. They know what they want to play. They have segues. They have intros. They have breaks for the speeches or whatever's going to happen at the event. They have a plan. That's why you hired them. They are the professional. This guy was just ready to throw whatever song on. He was handing everybody the aux cord, and nobody was even doing it. So the result was totally sporadic, all over the place genres. We would go from Hypnotize by Biggie Smalls to my favorite, Earth, Wind & Fire, September. That doesn't make sense. There's no transition. Even my boyfriend was like, you're not dancing as much to September as I would envision you would from previous experience. And I'm like, it just didn't hit right. It didn't hit at the right time. The segue was weird. And that was the remainder of the night. We had all the don't play hits. We had Cupid Shuffle. We had the YMCA. Granted, there were a couple small kids there. I get you. Sometimes you got to do things for the kids. The kids were the star of the show. If you took the kids out of this whole wedding scenario, it would have been awkward as fuck. But nothing was more awkward than... The DJ taking the opportunity to play a few games. Raise your hand. Show of hands. If you have ever seen a DJ play a game at a wedding. I'm going to go with no. This was more cringe than any bridesmaid and groomsman intro that I've ever seen. It was more cringe than somebody not writing down or printing out their speech but reading it off of their phone. It was bad. The first one, he blindfolded everybody. Imagine being dressed up in heels, a few buttons deep, and vulnerable enough to be blindfolded with no idea what's going on. It was a blindfolded dance party where he went around in in his own accord, tapped people out of the competition, and the girl that won the dance party had a dress on so short. She obviously didn't look at my wedding dress guide. The slit was so high. I could see her entire crotch. Major, major crotch moment. 
from the underwear to the V to a little in-between cheeky sneaky rated R content. There's no coincidence that the DJ from Boston let that girl with her underwear hanging out be the last one on the dance floor. Her friends didn't know. She was blindfolded. She didn't know. It was so awkward and so uncomfortable. I'm like, all right, let's put that little trick up your sleeve away with your Kleenex and whatever else weird shit you got in there, Mr. DJ, and not play another game again. Alas, last game of the night was a little, he said, she said, sweet Caroline, singing back and forth from the bride side of the room to the groom side of the room. He kept lowering the music in like the YMCA like you would at a fucking Chainsmokers concert or something or like Adele. I don't, Adele probably doesn't even do that. She has some class. There's like three people on the dance floor and he's turning the music down so you can go ba ba ba. Sweet Caroline is a phenomenal song. He ruined it. I was so uncomfortable. And my boyfriend really doesn't say a bad thing about anything. And even he was like, that was not a great DJ. So those were the two um, highlights and lowlights of the wedding weekend. Again, highly recommend a little staycation, get away, visit a place in the Northeast to clear your head. And I'm not saying this was like the most relaxing, memorable, but it's nice to skip town for a couple of days and be back and also miss a snowstorm, by the way, which I did. Um, The last thing that I wanted to say that happened to me did not happen in Connecticut. It happened in my own backyard with my own mother, not my real backyard, just in the neighborhood. My mom said, possibly the three meanest words anybody has ever said to me in quite some time, all because I wore, yes, you guessed it, a matching set with a teeny tiny hole in it. She said to me, as we walked into a diner the other day for my project, Upstate Diners, please follow my project, Upstate Diners. She said to me, she acknowledged said hole. It was in my bum. I get it. And I get that I just publicly trashed a girl who unknowingly had to be blindfolded at a wedding and showed her crotch to everybody there. I knowingly went out of the house with a tiny, teeny tiny paperclip-sized hole in my pants. And my mom acknowledged it in public at the diner and said to me, you're losing it. I'll be damned. Those words cut through me like the knife I used to eat my French toast. And I'm still ruminating the three words that she said to me. I'm thinking, I'm analyzing, I'm trying to figure out why those words that might have seemed harmless in the moment cut me so deep. She was so embarrassed that I had on probably a matching set in general. As we said, we talked about it in last week's podcast. I got to get out of the unflattering sweatsuits. It's not doing me any favors and it's not pushing me to be my better self. But on an early Sunday Slightly hungover kind of morning. It's not a fashion show. The paparazzi are not out. And while a semi-public figure, I still feel like it's okay for me to go out, not always, 100% of the time, looking my best. My mom does not agree. She caused a little scene in the front of the restaurant. The girl literally had to like wait a second for us to finish talking until she brought us to our seats. And... 
My mom's like, you have a hole in your pants. I'm just going to replay it. You have a hole in your pants. And I'm like, yeah, I know. She's like, Taylor, you cannot go out of the house like that. I'm like, mom, what's the big deal? She goes, you're losing it. (gasps) I'm losing it? I was floored. I wanted to get up and walk out of the restaurant. I could hardly look her in the eyes. I brought it up for the next four and a half hours that we were together. I'm like, who do you think you are that you can tell me that I'm losing it? And then end up losing sleep, losing all my confidence. I'm like, oh my God, what does that mean? She thinks I'm getting sloppy. Obviously, she doesn't like all of my looks, but like, trust me, I have a vision sometimes. And sure, I didn't go out with a vision that day. But to be told by your own mother, as you feel that you were heading into a prime season of your life where things are looking good, where things are on a trajectory that you like the direction of, You are heading to a peak and your mom just puts you right back down to earth, nearly six feet in the ground and tells you that you're losing it. I couldn't believe it. I literally woke up in the middle of the night probably thinking about this, probably thinking about how I a failure in life, how I need to get my shit together. She really sent me in a direction with that. And that is the direction I'm going to leave you in until we return to the show on Friday because we all have been hurt by a family member that said something in passing, passive-aggressively, that didn't mean a lot to you. I have great, like, belly laugh chats with my friends about similar things that their moms have said. And it's funny. I'm just kidding. I'm not, but I'm kidding uh, that I won't think about this for the rest of my life and what she meant deep down when she said I'm losing it. But that's just how moms are. They say things off the cuff. They're a little sarcastic. They're a little passive aggressive, but we love them. We appreciate them. We know during these crazy times, which I hope we don't have to say anymore, um, that we're all taking our little moments here and there, obviously, to be thankful for what we have um, and the relationships and the peace on our side of earth that we are experiencing right now. But it did make me laugh, especially because I was wearing a matching sweatsuit when it happened. And moms are the best. No harm, no foul. But I will be, you know, doing 72 push-ups before I go to bed and sit-ups and learning how to sew, apparently. So that's all I got for you today. Last, last, last but not least, I just want to give a quick shout out to my friends at Manscaped. If you listen to the Button East podcast and you're like, whoa, that girl was a trip. I need some retail therapy. I need to unwind and recharge with not a mom, but maybe a man in your life. I want to tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped has the brand new ultra premium collection that will make your man's balls feel so good. You want to talk about unwinding? How about a nice hot shower? The person that I stayed with this past weekend in Connecticut, they weren't home, but it's my dad's friend. And my dad told me how the guy is on this like huge cold shower kick. Like, I don't know if that was a coach or something who like, he like drowns his head in cold water every morning. Maybe that's what I need to do to prevent myself from losing it. What you need to do to prevent your man from losing you, you hot piece of ass, is make sure that he manscapes. Because if he doesn't, if he's not clean and pristine when he's in the shower, you're not going to want to keep him around. You're going to say to him, you're losing it, honey. You're losing it. The only thing he needs to be losing 
is all of his other male grooming products to make room for the ultra premium collection from Manscaped. It is sleek. It is chic. It makes your balls fantastic. It's non-greasy. It's hydrating. It's lightweight and quick drying. There is body wash. There's two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. There is a lip balm so he doesn't steal yours. There's ball deodorant. There's regular deodorant. Whatever your man needs to stay clean and be looking good heading into springtime, I guarantee you Manscaped has it. So go ahead to manscaped.com. Use promo code BUTTONISTA. That is manscaped.com. Promo code BUTTONISTA for 20% off your order. Free worldwide shipping so you can spice up your shower. You can spice up your sexy time. You're the one that's out there cleaning the sheets. You're the one that's making the bed, cleaning the towels, or at least picking the towels up from the backs of door handles or the top of the door. The least he can do is manscape, take a nice little shower before bed to keep everything feeling good, smelling good, manscape.com. I will see you. Oh my God. This is such a sad moment. This is such a transition. I will no longer be able to say on Tuesdays that I will see you next Tuesday because I will see you potentially if I verbally commit and I keep my promises and I don't lose it. I sound like Drew Barrymore. She cries in every episode. I will see you on Friday. And when I say bitches, I don't mean bitches, but I mean like I'm excited, bitches. I will see you on Friday. 